Copeland talking. Welcome to another edition of Copeland's Corner. Uh, we are going to just jump right in uh, this week. Usually I do a little monologue in the beginning, but there's like so much to talk about. Let's just get to it. Uh, joining me this week, my distinguished panel of comics for headliners on the headlines of comics, Maureen Langan, Ron Bai, and Jason Mack, three of my favorites and three of our regulars. Good to have you all. Everybody doing well? Oh, great. It was the best week ever. Yeah. Good, thank you. <laughs> the best week ever. <laughs> Well, yesterday wasn't too bad. All right, ah. let's start. Let's start with yesterday. We we are recording this on Wednesday, uh, between one and two o'clock uh, Pacific time. So you're not hearing this until Thursdays when this drops. So any of the information that we put out may have changed. Any of the the facts as we know them may have changed by the time that you hear this. But we are recording this on Wednesday. So what we're telling you is accurate as of Wednesday between one and two Pacific time. All right. Uh, the, I was going to say the major news, but there's so much major news today. Um, Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony yesterday before the January 6th commission, uh, yesterday being Tuesday, uh, in case you missed it or in case you have been living on Mars or in a cave someplace, uh, Cassidy Hutchinson uh, is a former White House aide and assistant to the former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, who's uh, chief of staff uh, during Trump's Trump's final chief of staff during the the, the end of, of days, the end of his his, his time in office. And uh, she was a surprise witness. This there was not supposed to be a hearing yesterday. Hearings were supposed to have been suspended until July. And then day before yesterday on Monday, it was announced by the 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 uh, the January 6th commission that they were, in fact, going to hold a, a hearing that had to take place now. So everybody knew this was going to be a big deal. So this person, uh, Cassidy Hutchinson, 26 year old young woman uh, whose office was literally between Trump's office and Mark Meadows office. That's where her office was situated. She is the closest insider so far to testify and to testify under oath. So here are I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is just give you some of the major takeaways from her testimony, and then we'll we'll discuss. I'll get everybody's take on this. Okay, so um, among the major takeaways, the four or five major takeaways from her testimony yesterday, uh, people were detected by security and by the Secret Service prior to Trump's speech on January 6th. They were detected with Glocks, knives, AR-15s, bear spray, tear gas, spears, flagpoles that have been converted to spears and body armor. So the Secret Service and security knew about this. And according to Ms. Hutchinson, they told Trump that they were people that were armed and they wanted them outside of a certain security perimeter. And Trump said to turn off the metal detectors and to let them in because, quote, they aren't here to hurt me. That was the quote. They, according to her, they aren't here to hurt me. He didn't want them having to go through metal detectors, and he knew that they were armed. He then encouraged them to go to the Capitol again, knowing that they were armed. Uh, another takeaway. Trump heard the chance of the crowd to hang Mike Pence and allegedly said that, that Pence deserves it. The vice president of the United States deserves to be hanged because he won't subvert democracy in the way that Trump wanted. Uh, Trump refused this. We'd already heard, but she went to a little bit more detail. But that Trump refused repeated calls from staff, from his lawyers, from Fox News hosts, from his own kids. I mean, his own daughter and his own son to call off the mob. And he waited, what was it, 167 minutes, 187 minutes or something before finally making a statement. Um, there was a lot about Trump's temper tantrums. You know, we, we've heard a lot in the past about in his private business life that uh, he would throw tantrums when things didn't go his way. Well, according to Ms. Hutchinson's testimony yesterday, um, he threw meals against the wall. Uh, she talks about uh, an interview that... Uh, uh, former former uh, uh, Attorney General Barr gave that Trump didn't like. So he threw his lunch against the wall, smashing the china and uh, leaving ketchup dripping down the wall. And she said she walked in and personally helped the valets clean it up. And she said that there were numerous times 
throughout her tenure at the White House that she saw him either throw China or meals against the wall or flip over a tablecloth uh, that was covered with dishes and covered with meals and send everything smashing to the floor. Uh, this is another one that's a is a major uh, revelation, and that is uh, when told on January 6th, if you watch Trump's speech, he, he encouraged the crowd to march to the Capitol when they got done, you know, go to the Capitol and be able to fight like you've never fought before. You're not going to have a country anymore. I'm going to go with you. So according to her testimony, uh, when he got into his armored security vehicle, which they called the beast. Uh, he was told by the driver, we're taking you back to the West Wing. And he said, no, I'm going to go to the Capitol. And he was he was told, I'm sorry, sir, we can't do that. We're taking you back to the West Wing. And according to her testimony, Trump then tried to grab the steering wheel. And the agent told him, you know, sir, take your hand off the steering wheel. And then Trump grabbed him by the neck. And they finally subdued Trump and took him to the West Wing. Now, today, the Secret Service is denying that that happened. According to the Secret Service today, they're denying that that happened. They are conceding, though, that he wanted to go to, to the Capitol and he insisted on going to the Capitol, but they're denying that he was physical and that he grabbed the wheel. Uh, another major revelation. On the day after January 6th, um, Mark Meadows, the former chief of staff and the president's personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, former mayor of uh, of New York, both sought pardons. They wanted presidential pardons before Trump was out of office on January the 20th uh, to cover their behavior in any complicity they had in terms of what happened on January 6th. You don't go and ask for a presidential pardon unless you know that you committed a crime. Uh, this was a revelation. Trump's cabinet contemplated removing him using the 25th Amendment, which has never been used before. And it's to be used when a, a president is, is either uh, unwilling or incapable of carrying out his duties as commander in chief. And because he would not stop this insurrection, uh, they, the, the uh, members of his cabinet were talking about removing him using the 25th Amendment. And they say that's the according to the testimony yesterday, that's the only reason he recorded the video of condemning violence on January the 7th. It was just a straight up, you know, he reading the teleprompter as he always did in a sing songy kind of way when you could tell he was reading something that, it, you know, you know, whenever he was reading something, it looked like it was a hostage video. Uh, but the only reason he did that was because of the fact that they were looking at removing him from office and he'd be the only president removed by the 25th Amendment. Uh, and finally, uh, the hearing ended with the, with uh, Liz Cheney uh, laying out a case or what looks like the beginnings of a case that the Trump team is currently intimidating witnesses. And she uh, she read a couple of examples of witnesses who she did not name, who were contacted by people in the Trump camp, who she also did not name, who were told to, quote unquote, be loyal, do the right thing. You know, Trump reads the transcripts. We know you'll do the right thing. And if you're intimidating witnesses, that's a crime. And it's also obstruction of justice. So that's what we learned yesterday. They say that that is the most explosive testimony so far. And it puts Trump at real legal jeopardy, unlike uh, any time in the past. You know, everything we've heard a lot of stuff up to now thinking, well, why is it uh, why isn't uh uh, Merrick Garland uh, indicting him or convening a grand jury based on what we know so far. Well, this really lays it out because the big issue here has been intent. And, and in order to charge him, they have to prove that he had intent to do something illegal. And if he knew these people were armed and was aware these people were armed and sent them to the Capitol, that constitutes intent. And so that may be it. So I know that that's a lot to digest, but that's what we learned yesterday. I'll open it up to the floor for your comments. So oh you, Maureen. God. I right, know it's a lot. Any it thoughts at all? You know, when I watched it from start to finish, so I found it absolutely riveting and her absolutely um, believable. But just this is a lighter aside. All I could 
stay focused on is that she used the word hung instead of hanged in terms of a noose, because that's the only time you're supposed to use hanged as a past tense. So that drove me crazy. But beyond that, <laughs> I swear, these are the things I focus on. But you anyway, um, that was your takeaway. Yeah, that was my takeaway. <laughs> that was, was takeaway. Stuck in my craw. You know, though, this is what troubles me seriously, Brian. I don't think he even knows what the law is. I don't think he's ever had the law apply to him. So I don't even know if he really knows that he's doing illegal things because nobody's ever held his feet to the fire. He is a big, whinging baby who has fits and is used to getting his way. And he can't handle all of this. This is making him, he is insane. Um, she was very credible. And I thought, how long is it going to take for them to start calling her a slut? That's what I thought. They're going to start telling, finding out who she slept with, who her boyfriends were, and plastering that. So I'm still waiting for her. They're starting to discredit her. But well, they're um, trying already. I guess Trump yeah. made some statement that she wanted a job at Mar-a-Lago and he didn't right. hire her. And that's right, what this right. is. Oh, right. yeah. I mean, he he did the, the thing that Trump always does where he pretends to distance you know, himself from everybody like, oh, I hardly know that person or I only see them once in the hallway. And I know I wrote I read some quotes saying like she wanted a job at Mar-a-Lago and I hardly even know her, but I personally denied it. You know, all of this just silly back and forth. Like what I miss the days like, you know, Maureen, you're from the East Coast. I'm from the East Coast. Like when I grew up in the 80s and 90s, I just saw Trump and Ivana all over the place. And the thing that we had the most to go on was his crazy hair, you know, <laughs> and, the, <laughs> and that's it, you know, so. It's crazy here in his casinos. I worked I yeah. worked a number during the 90s. I, I, I worked his casinos a lot. You know, mm -hmm. I, I opened for Aretha Franklin. I opened for Ray Charles. I opened for uh, Julio Iglesias. There were a lot of people. I was with William Morris at the time, and they would send me out with uh, a lot of their R&B acts as the opening act. And yeah. and a lot of those were either at Trump's Taj Mahal, which was the big casino, mm -hmm. or of the smaller one. And I forget the name of the smaller one. It used to be Resorts International. It's the one he bought from Merv Griffin and, th and then went around bragging about how he screwed Merv Griffin on the deal. Oh boy. You know, oh yeah, boy. I went around publicly bragging about that. So I worked a lot. So, so I actually cashed checks from the Trump organization. And they mm -hmm. actually cashed. Congratulations. Actually cashed. <laughs> well, I wasn't cash. really a contractor. If I like had painted or built something for them, they might not have, you know, right. I probably never would have seen them. I probably never would have seen them. Jason, thoughts? Um, yeah, I I feel like the most telling thing that it's true is Trump's meltdown all day yesterday because he just can't handle being criticized or any amount of truth. Um, and then the witness intimidation, like we've known this has been going on for a really long time. There's just a lot of things you just got confirmed yesterday um, by a really credible witness. And now that now is just out there in a, in a legal sense for um, the lawyers to pick apart. So I think this was a good uh, a good turn, a, a nice surprise, and I hope it uh, turns more of uh, the Trump world against them. Well, I'll tell you what I find really fascinating is the fact that Cassidy Hutchinson is 26 years old. Mm -hmm. So when this happened, she was 20. You know, I don't know when her birthday is, so she was either 24 or 25 years old. And for her to be that forthright, that that brave, that composed that articulate, that precise in, in, in terms of her testimony and doing what she did, it's it's really something to behold. I mean, well, she's know. not corrupted yet. See, that's the whole thing. She's still pure. I mean, I, I'm still surprised that she wasn't intimidated by all of it. God bless her. Um, but you know what, too, Brian, people are saying, well, that side, the other side, this, the only side people should be on is the side of America and democracy. Yeah, that's the side. That's yeah. the only side. Yeah. You know, here's either this either this happened or it didn't, you know, and so so here comes the next question. And that is, you know, and they, they say that social media yesterday just had had, you know, post after post, text after text while this was going on of people just tweeting out Merrick Garland. Are you watching this? Mm. So so if in fact there is a, I can't I, I can't possibly imagine that at the end of this, there will not be a criminal referral to the Justice Department. And then it's up to Merrick Garland to decide what he's going to do. And Garland can convene a grand jury and the, the grand jury can make all of these Trump sycophants who will not um, comply with a congressional subpoena uh, testify. 
They'll, they'll make them testify or put them in jail, which I don't understand why Congress can't do that. I mean, if any of the four of us got a congressional subpoena and just went, yeah, and threw it in the trash, we'd go to jail. Mm-hmm. You know, so why is it nobody's gone to jail? It was the same thing during impeachment. People got congressional t- uh, congressional uh, subpoenas and just ignored them. And there were no consequences. But Garland, if he, if he if in fact he convenes a grand jury, they can make all these people testify. Mm-hmm. And, and testify to what it is that that they that they know. So um, so that brings me to, to this question and this this uh, we, I talked about this a little bit last week and it's come up again in the last 24 hours. And that is going back to Watergate when Gerald Ford became president of the United States, he pardoned Richard mm-hmm. Nixon for all of the crimes that he committed or may have committed. And he preemptively did that so that there would not be a trial. And he said the reason that he did it was that he didn't want to put America through this and and to to tear the country apart with a trial that would have taken that would have been hard fought and and fought dirty on the Nixon on the Nixon side that would have lasted a year at least, you know, and didn't want to tear the country apart. So we're hearing some of those same questions regarding Trump. And and the question is, is it worth it to, in fact, prosecute him if in if, in fact, the evidence is there, if there's enough to indict him and to charge him, should he be charged or will it do too much more damage to the country? Now, before you guys answer, I got to say you have to. I mean, if you're not going to do it, if you're not going to indict him now for this, then nobody should ever be indicted again then the country's already torn apart and he's never been held accountable for anything. And at least Nixon had resigned in disgrace. So there were consequences. If, if he's not charged and is not indicted, he walks away yet again for the umpteenth time in his life with zero consequences. So thoughts. Um, yeah, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago here that um, the big difference between Nixon and Trump is that Nixon wasn't an ongoing threat to the Constitution and to the country. And now it's just clear that that's even more, maybe not le- maybe not more true, but we have just have more evidence and more concrete evidence that that's true. If he isn't held accountable, there's a good chance that he's going to be president again soon and that we're just going to lose the country immediately. We're just going to go straight into uh, an even more extreme version of fascism that's being imposed on us right now. It's just not acceptable at all. Even a long drawn out trial where he ends up being uh, where he ends up being found not guilty or something. He has to face accountability. Everyone needs to testify and be on the record. And this needs to be shown that this is not acceptable political behavior moving forward or we're just screwed um okay here's the deal why are we doing this if we're not going to take if the evidence leads that way that he would not be tried why i mean ron DeSantis is going to pardon him anyway uh but still and all we should go through it trump is so insane at least nixon was just a dick get it i mean <laughs> There are a lot of ways we can take that. That's why I'm just going to let that go. <laughs> but well, that was his nickname. That, that, that was, was his, his nickname. nickname. Tricky Dick. That was that was that's it. it. That's all and, I'm and, saying. In fact, there was a, there was a satire movie about him that was called Dick. Oh, really? That came, yeah. that came out about 15 years ago. Um, it's just if you ever get a chance to see it, it's funny. It, it's, why are we even doing this, though, Brian? Seriously, why? Well, here's why. It's fa- these steps? Here's why. It's fact finding. It's to find out exactly how January 6th happened, exactly who was involved and how do you prevent something terrible from happening again if you don't know how it happened the first time? That's the point. This is mm. it, this is not uh, no, no matter what the right wing and Fox News and the conservatives say, this is not about being out to get Trump. This is about trying to find out what happened on January 6th. What happened? How did it happen? And how do we make sure that it doesn't happen again? Now, if Mm -hmm. in fact, over the course of that fact finding, there are trails that lead to certain individuals having committed crimes, then that's something entirely different. Makes sense. So that's why we're doing this. Mm -hmm. We're doing this to find out why it happened. So, so Ron, what is, what do you think? 
I mean, we just have to get to the point where he is legally not allowed to run for president anymore uh, the next time because it's going to be a disaster. And, you know, the defense, I mean, there's so much going on, too, because you still got you got sort of that case against him in New York. And now you've got them building up the case against him in Georgia, yeah. which is uh, very fascinating and interesting to me um, as well. I mean, there's so many cases built up uh, <laughs> against him. And then when I, uh, I I did a crazy thing, I was on a plane and I don't know what 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 was wrong, but none of the channels were working except Fox News Channel uh, on my Southwest flight. So I was like, wow. why not? Why not? Let's just watch this. And, you know, the crazy thing is they were it was just a I don't know, it was just a, um, a gubernatorial candidate in Arizona. And they were asking her all the questions, you know, that you would ask, you know, for the different things that are in the, there's some dumb news headlines about her. And all she kept doing was going back to this illegitimate president and how Trump should be in and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And I really wanted to open up the emergency exit and jump out of the plane at that point. <laughs> oh my God. That been great. That would have really skyrocketed your career. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. Yeah, well, yeah. Pun intended. Puns are always intended. <laughs> that was the thing that Cassie Hutchinson said yesterday that really, you know, made me sit up and, and really take notice is when she said that she's watching this and she's thinking that the Capitol, you know, as an American, I'm disgusted mm. because the Capitol is being desecrated over a lie. And it's a lie. And everyone knows it's a lie except for the dupes. And I'll call on that except for the dupes who are out there with their AR-15s and out there with their bear spray, you know, a, a killing and assaulting Capitol Police officers and desecrating the, the, the center of American democracy. So, I, as I said, I just don't see if, in fact, the evidence is there. And, and the main, they, they, again, you know, this is the thing to watch for. And I'm telling the three of you as well as, as the listening audience, the thing to watch for moving forward is whether or not they're able, you think that that the evidence that comes out in the hearings uh, constitutes a proof of intent because mm -hmm. if you can't prove intent, then 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 there's no case. Apparently, you know, that, apparently that's that's what the legal analysts are saying anyway. You know what stands out to me, though, to Brian, is how people will say, well, why did Nancy Pelosi uh, protect the Capitol? Whoever in a million years thought this lunatic Trump and his uh, spear chucking that shaman guy would be attacking the Capitol? That's like saying to a battered woman, why didn't you wear armor? Didn't you know he was going to come at you? I mean, it's insanity. No, it is. It's complete insanity. Just complete insanity. So uh, the, the next hearings are scheduled sometime uh, in the next two weeks. But if something comes up, if there's another surprise witness, then we may see another hearing sooner. And uh, there is some speculation that after yesterday's testimony, there are going to be some people who previously might not have had the testicular fortitude <laughs> to sit before that, that committee and answer their questions, but who will now do so. So, um, you know, keep an eye on it. All right. The other major news and earth shattering news um, of, of the last week since we did the last podcast is the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Um, but the first time in American history, first time in American history, a constitutional right taken away. Two out of three Americans favor Roe versus Wade in favor mm. of access to abortion and, and a woman having control over her own body and reproductive rights. Uh, I just got some notes. I'll just do, I'm going to do the same thing I just did with the last topic and just go through a couple things and then let you guys comment. Um, the thing that that really, really pisses me off about this is that this happened because we have three judges sitting on that court who were appointed by a president who was not even elected by the majority of the people in this country. Most people in the country did not vote for him. These three judges who were sitting on this court who made who were, were crucial in, in making this decision um, were not uh, elected by a majority, by supermajority, I should say, of those in the U.S. Senate, because you know, every, uh, uh, prior to uh, McConnell getting rid of the full, the filibuster for Supreme Court justices, he you would have had to have had at least sixty votes 
in order to be confirmed. But none of these people would, would have gotten 60 votes. None of them, not Kavanaugh, not Gorsuch, not, not Amy Coney Barrett, none of them would have gotten it. Yet they're the ones who made the decision. Other thing is, you know, th this is also a court that is in part presided over by two justices who were credibly accused of sexual assault, and sexual, sexual assault and or sexual misconduct. And, and, and these men decided that women don't have a choice over what to do with their own bodies. Um, what's happening in a lot of states, and we're going to have, I saw, I saw a map and they said, it's, it's like slavery. They're going to be free states and free states and slave states, states where you can have abortions and states where you can't. And we're going to have the majority of the states in this country where you can't legally have an abortion. Uh, one of the things that's happened is that, uh, the, the law, the law regarding abortion in, in a lot of states automatically reverts to what the law was on the day that Roe v. Wade became the law of the land. So I saw the senator from Wisconsin uh, interviewed on, uh, on one of the news programs, and she said, so what this means is in Wisconsin, we go back to what the law was that was written in 1849. In 1849. Wow. So unless the state legislature, which is all Republican, which is Republican dominated, decides to amend that, uh, that's the law of the land. And this and she said this legislature is is only willing to amend it to make it more draconian than the law that was passed in 1849. However, in Wisconsin right now, they have a, a Democratic governor who's not going to allow that to happen. Arizona goes to the 1890s, you know, no exception for rape or incest in Texas. Uh, no exception for rape or incest. And here's another thing. This is this is something that just drove me out of my mind when I heard this. Governor Abbott. Greg Abbott, the, uh, the, the governor of the state of Texas, when asked about the fact that, you know, you're, you're going to have situations where you've got a 12 year old girl who got raped by her uncle who's pregnant. And you're saying that based on the law and what it is you advocate, you're going to make this 12 year old girl carry the, 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 the product of this familial incest, incestuous rape to term. And what Abbott said is, the way they're going to deal with this is that Texas is going to get rid of rape. That's a quote. Texas will get rid of rape. Now, Texas leads the nation in forcible rapes. In the last year, over 13,000. California has 10 million more people, yet Texas has the majority of the forcible rapes in this country. And that's how he's going to deal with it. And then you've got Clarence Thomas, who has said that this is the tip of the iceberg that he wants to look at gay marriage next. He wants to look at contraception next. And he wants to look at some other, some other things that we considered to have been settled law. Um, here's a list of things that were said by, this is unbelievable. This is a list of things that have been said by Republicans in recent days since Roe was, was, uh, was obliterated. Uh, Representative Mary Miller who is a, a sitting member of the House of Representatives and a Trumper at a Trump rally said that the ruling getting rid of Roe versus Wade was, quote, a victory for white life, unquote. And then she later on, her people scrambled to say she misspoke. He's like, no, she said the quiet part out loud. Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who's running for governor of Arizona, said, quote, and this is unbelievable. This is a direct quote. Republicans will make sure that fetuses are as safe as children in a classroom. Unquote. Not safe. Republicans will make sure that fetuses are as safe as children in a classroom. Wow. How do you make a statement like that within two weeks after a classroom massacre? Mm -hmm. uh, Utah Representative Carrie Ann Lyonsby says that women can control the intake of semen. Unquote. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All righty then. Uh, Yelsey Vega, who is a Virginia Republican nominee for Congress for the House of Representatives, said, and th this goes back to uh, Todd Aiken uh, about 10 years ago. She said that it's harder. This is a quote. It's harder to get pregnant from rape because there's so much going on inside the body. Unquote.
So mm. that's really not something we should be concerned about. It's not something that should be a, uh, a part of the conversation because if, if you're raped, it's so, so difficult to get pregnant. And, uh, and Mike Pence said that he wants a national abortion ban. And, and that's really the next thing they're going, they're going after. If they win the midterms, and if, if, if we end up with a Republican Congress and we end up with a Republican House, you better believe, first of all, in the Congress that they'll suspend the filibuster to, in order to pass a national abortion ban, that they, that they will get rid of the filibuster for the, for the purposes of passing a national abortion ban. You know, we're sitting here in California and people in the more enlightened states who believe that people should be able to make their own, their own medical decisions, thinking that we're okay and we're safe. When, no, we're not. If, if we end up with a Republican president and end up with a Republican Congress, then the right to choice will be gone everywhere in this country. And the last thing, and this is the question I will ask you to start and then comment on anything else that I've said so far. And that is um, a woman by the name of Lauren Santo Domingo, who is a socialite in New York and who was a, a very close friend of Ivanka Trump's for a long time, I guess from high school to up through her 20s. They've had some kind of a falling out and they're not friends anymore. But she put out a, a tweet uh, on Sunday that she then took back. I mean, she I shouldn't say took back. She deleted after a while, but not before people screenshot it and started sharing it everywhere and saying how it's interesting that Ivanka is being so quiet when her when Ivanka's girlfriends took her to get an abortion while she was in high school. Mm-hmm. So a couple of questions on this. And, and the first being, do you think that that's relevant? Now, she goes before pro-life groups and says that she's unabashedly pro-life and, and blah, blah, blah. Is it relevant that Ivanka Trump had an abortion or is this is this a, a betrayal of a woman by another woman? Because you don't you don't tell the world something that private about someone. I think everything at this point is relevant just to keep showing the hypocrisy over and over and over and over again. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I think when uh, safety is involved, um, it's totally legitimate in politics to call out people for their personal hypocrisy. So I'm all on board with uh, burning it all down. Okay, let's ask the only woman among us. All right, did you really want me to unleash? That's why I didn't chime in yet. Okay, first of all, she's her father's daughter. Let's just get that right out of the way. There you go. Can't be born a cat, die a dog, unless you live in San Francisco, anything's possible. (laughs) But um, I want to bring up some stuff because honest to God, I wanted to viscerally, honestly, viscerally throw up when I heard the ruling. And uh, there's so much going on here. What so many people don't understand, and I've had five miscarriages, Uh, That's how you know you're on the fence about having kids. But the thing is, and I make dark humor about it because it is painful, but people don't understand that abortion is for miscarriages. It's for ectopic pregnancies. Mm -hmm. It's for stillborns. Mm -hmm. There's a guy named Jerry English. And Brian, when I had my KGO show, I used to keep his clip on my handy dandy files to play because he compared women to barnyard animals when they were carrying a stillborn. He says on the farm uh, that he's seen pigs and chickens and cows give birth to, to stillborns and they were okay. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? People, women die of sepsis if they do not get that removed from their bodies. That's the other thing. Now they want to censor women in these states. They don't want them to be even able to speak about the word abortion and where they can be done. That is absolutely absurd. If guns are illegal in New York, I can still say, well, they're legal in Ohio if somebody wanted to go there. They don't, they want to have gag orders. This is what they did to Margaret Sanger back in the birth control era. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, these people, they don't understand third trimester uh, abortions are done 0.1%. This is when a baby has a brain outside of its head and it's going to die in the mother's womb. This is what makes me so angry because it's about health care. I was raised Catholic. I have my own personal views about abortion for me for Maureen Langan, but I see these poor, these girls, 18 years old, scared out of their mind, forced, forced into perhaps poverty, women who are home battered. And what about a woman whose birth control, uh, it just didn't work one night and she just does not want it to implant and have a baby. Foster care, how many kids are in foster care? This adoption thing that everybody's talking about, get a brown baby with one limb missing. You're going to adopt that baby? Mm -hmm. Cut the crap. And in 1849, that's where we're going back to, do they even know how babies were made back then? Um, and the other thing too, it really is a healthcare issue. 
some freak in, in Texas wants to make it a holiday, a jolly holiday yeah, uh, yeah. once a year. And in terms of uh, vagina tricks, maybe I just can't control semen because I'm Irish Catholic and I don't have enough vagina tricks. What the hell? Morning after pills, this is even before it's implanted in, in your uterus. What the hell are they talking about? These freaking idiots. And I blame women because we have got to support each other and we have got to get each other elected. Not these kind of Mary, whatever that one you were talking about, the white life is, is going on. But no, we have to support. And the thing is, because of campaign uh, finance, a lot of women can't afford to run because the, these are stereotypes, but the women are home, you know, raising the kids predominantly. Where are they going to get that kind of cash and raise it and schmooze and network so that they can run? So there are so many fundamental things against women. If you told me this was happening in Afghanistan, I, I would believe you. You're telling me this is happening in America where now they don't even want us to speak. I want to scream. Thank you. Maureen Langan out. Well, and you know, <laughs> I was just going to say, too, you know, um, I, I take things on um, social media with a grain of salt, but I was very interested in reading a lot of people's personal stories on Twitter the other day that I don't even know, uh, talking about people who have autoimmune disorders. And there's already, you know, people are telling stories about how in certain states their medications they've been on for these autoimmune disorders are now being denied because they could have a link to um, to abortion uh as well uh i don't know the the exact names but i, I think one was like methotrexate or something like that i'm probably like screwing it up there's and i think it was used for rheumatoid arthritis and that they were now being denied for it in certain states so uh and i was just reading lots and lots and lots of stories and of course you know you don't know the legitimacy in these things but i'm i don't think people would be lying about this and so it's really aggravating i mean i just i i i have found myself speechless um, a number of times since since this ruling came down. Uh, well, it, and you know the other thing that's really annoying. I don't know what else to say. I just don't know. I, I just don't know what else there is to say. But two out of three Americans are opposed to this. Two out of three mm -hmm. are opposed to this. Well, then you got these annoying people, our representatives, like. Um... Well, I, there's many of them, but let's just take Manchin, for example, who voted to confirm people like um, Kavanaugh and Gorsuch. And then he's like, oh, well, they lot, you know, I didn't think that they would, you know, um, you know, ignore settled precedent because they said in their, you know, hearing that, you know, they would respect precedent. Really? You, you thought that's the way it was going to go. You were just taking their word for it. Like, you know, it, they, they were all a lie. You knew what was going to happen. So that really aggravates me as well. Well, Susan Collins is the oh. one. Uh, Susan Collins is the one. I mean, Susan Collins could have stopped Kavanaugh. Mm -hmm. I mean, period. Mm -hmm. She could have stopped Kavanaugh. And after My talking to him, and you know, no, he said settled law. He said it's settled law. It's My friend law. keeps sending him, ordering her um, boxes of hangers and sending them to her <laughs> office. And uh, it's only going to get worse, though, you guys, because. Uh, the economy, and I understand the, why the economy is going to win out. People are, mothers go to stores. I just saw an $11.99 watermelon uh, at the supermarket this morning, and that would have killed Gallagher's career, which that probably could have been a good thing. But the <laughs> thing is, you see moms and dads go to stores and they're like, holy moly. And that's what they're going to vote on. And I understand why. And they're going to put that ahead uh, of you issues. Really think like, so. that, oh, I totally think about. so. Totally you, think so. You really? You don't think yep. that this is that this is is this is, is going nope. to cause a blue wave? No. Nope. And I think, think that people the, are going to look at gas. You think people yep, are going to look at the yep, gas yep. seven bucks a gallon. Absolutely. And, that's what they'll vote on. and then somebody like DeSantis or Pence is going to get in and we're going to have uh, two. We're going to have eight more years of this kind of regime. And we're going to be set back so far. They're coming for the gay people. They're coming. The only thing I mean, I think Clarence Thomas, do you not know your history? Uh, and I am not just talking uh, about interracial marriage. I'm talking before that. You want to go back to 1849 with birth control? OK, Clarence, let's play. You want to play? This is what the hell is going on? It, they're going to get elected and we are effed. I, I, I'd like to say that I have more faith in the American voter than that, but I, <laughs> but right. I don't. I said I'd like to say. Well, uh, there was a, a poll came out the other day about uh, how Americans think about this ruling, and it was pretty close to being split evenly, whether people think it's a step back or neutral or a step forward. People don't, whether or not they agree with Roe v. Wade, they don't see the issue for what it is in the moment. They don't, mm -hmm. people just want to dismiss it or be like, oh yeah, well, things are always, things are always happening. 
That's politics. Uh, And then people learn the wrong lesson. People are going to be people are going to be and some people already are going like, oh, well, the economy was great when Trump was here. Like like people have such incredible cognitive dissonance when they have to Mm -hmm. pay fifty dollars to fill up their tank. It's incredible. And and they thought and and the president of the United States has nothing to do with what the price of gas is. Yeah. And inflation is a global issue. So it's it's, it's not like something. It's not like something that he can even do. But on top of that, Biden is not rising to this moment. It's, no, he's and not. The, 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 and he shouldn't run again, but I don't know who else there is. Hey, he should, according to the polls that I see, if, if it ends up being Biden, Trump, Biden wins. But most people don't want either one of them to run again. Mm-hmm. Most Americans don't. But who, I mean, who else is there? And the fact that DeSantis and some of the draconian just flat out crazy stuff that put people's health at risk that DeSantis did. I, it, it just scares me that this guy is so close to the presidency. This guy is potentially so he's, you know, he's he's Trump who can say the right things to the right audience mm-hmm. to make them think that he's a moderate mm-hmm. when in fact he's not. Mm-hmm. When in fact he isn't. Um, while we were on uh, are on the subject of, uh, of women's rights and women being treated poorly, Uh, About an hour and a half ago, the news broke that R. Kelly has been sentenced in a federal court to 30 years in prison for sexually abusing dozens of of young women over the course of decades. So this is federal courts, which means federal prison, which means that there's no parole. So you're sentenced to 30 years. You're doing no. Yeah. If you're if you get sentenced in federal court to seven years, you're doing seven years. There's no parole. There's no good behavior. So he's sentenced to 30 years in prison. He was convicted back uh, in uh, Brooklyn Federal Court in September of one count of racketeering and eight counts of violating the Mann Act, which, um, as I understand the Mann Act, it's it's taking a uh, a woman or a young woman uh, across state lines for immoral purposes. Um, at least that was the original intent of it back, you know, when it was passed, like I think it was in the 30s or something it was passed. Um, federal prosecutor said in, in a sentencing ma- memorandum that uh, he needed to be sentenced to more than 25 years because he's he shown no remorse or respect for the law poses a serious threat to the public. Uh, whereas his lawyers asked for less than 10 years saying, quote, he's not an evil monster, but a complex, unquestionably flawed human being, unquote. So he's had a history of this behavior this abuse that goes back at least to the 1990s you know we're talking about dozens of women i didn't see surviving r kelly because i i just you know there's certain things you know are really gonna upset you and you kind of got to brace yourself for being in the mood you know see stuff that you know really is gonna make you sick and upset you and i i just couldn't watch mm. this i got i got dispatches from my daughter about the stuff that this guy pulled with 13 and 14 and 15 year old girls and and you know he married Aaliyah when she was 14 you know, and, and had forged documents saying she was 18. Mary, and, and according to testimony, he married her when she's 14 because he thought he'd gotten her pregnant and thought if he was married to her, that that would insulate him against any kind of criminal prosecution. So he uh, got forged documents saying she was 18, got the, the, the officiant, the wedding officiant, who knew how old she was, to he wouldn't sign an NDA, but he gave his word that he would never tell anybody how old she really was when he married him. You know, and so there were just all these all of these these women. So there's a question in, in, in my mind, in the mind of lo- minds of a lot of people as to this went on for 30 years. He did this to women. It's like Cosby did this to women for 50 years. He did, he did this to women to for 30 years. How in the world did he get away with it for 30 years? And my daughter made a good point. She said it's because every single one of his victims was a black woman and nobody cares about black women. anymore. Mm. Mm. That's what she says. Any, Maureen, you got thoughts on that? Well, first of all, it should be called um, not acting like a real man act. That's what it should be called instead of the man act. Yeah. Um, and, you know, no, no, people don't. Listen, if I was ever adopted, if I were ever abducted, first of all, I'm too old for anybody to care. And but if I were younger and had blonde hair, they would look for me first. They look for brown and black girls last. You see that for blonde girls that Gat, what was the one who was killed in the mountains by her Gabby boyfriend? Batita. Yeah, they were all over her. And I, you know, rightfully so. But if she were brown, forget it. That wouldn't have happened. And in terms of underage, now I'm not saying 12 or 13 year olds, but that creep Matt Gates, 
Uh, he's what took 17 year olds over the state lines. I hope yeah. that he, Allegedly. I hope he's right next to Art. Ke- I mean, I hope he's right next to Kelly. I really do. Cause he's a piece of crap too. I hope they do him in. Well, there is a real disparity, you know, um, and, and, and we know this, you know, we, we, we have, I've joked in newsrooms. I've been in newsrooms where they joked for years about pretty missing white girl syndrome. Oh yeah. Is, is what oh, they yeah. call, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the, the perfect mm-hmm. example of that, that, that I always use is we know the friend they're still talking about Lacey Peterson. I've seen three or four different specials in the last <laughs> year about, I'm not kidding. Mm-hmm. Three or four different specials in the last year. Mm-hmm. Dateline <laughs> just did a thing on, 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 you know, on, on, on Lacey Peterson. So at the time Lacey Peterson was, was abducted, you know, she's pregnant, she's abducted. Or she's pregnant, she disappears, the world goes crazy. Well, at the same time, there was a Latina maid in San Francisco named Evelyn Hernandez. Evelyn Hernandez was pregnant as well. And Evelyn Hernandez disappeared. And Lacey Peterson's torso was found floating in San Francisco Bay. And Mm -hmm. Evelyn Hernandez's torso was found floating in San Francisco Bay. And somebody did a search to find out how many articles have been written about Lacey Peterson, and there were thousands. And how many had been written about Evelyn Hernandez, and there were two. There were two. You know, same time, same types of circumstances. They're both pregnant. Their bodies are both found in, mutilated in the same way, in the same, the same bay. Um, except I think Evelyn Hernandez's body was found somewhere close to the San Francisco Bay Bridge, whereas uh, Lacey Peterson's was found in, in, in near the Berkeley Marina. But it's still San, it's the bottom line is it's still San Francisco Bay. And um, I tried. I was doing my KGO show on Sundays in those days, and I was trying to help find her. And I had a police contact at SFPD who was working on the Hernandez case. And she would come on every week and give an update and ask for tips from the public. And she was actually getting tips from the public, people who'd seen things or or people who knew things or, or had, you know, had some useful information to share. And uh, she was shut down by the brass. She was ordered by the brass not to speak to me anymore. And that ended it. And I've not heard a word about Evelyn Hernandez since. Wow. Yes, she was told by her superiors that she was no longer allowed to speak to me on this topic or to go on the radio and to discuss this topic. And and to this day, nobody knows what happened. Oh, I should mention, by the way, that Evelyn Hernandez had a five year old son who disappeared, too, at the same time. And to this day, we don't know where that five year old who today would be 25 or 30. We don't know if he's still alive. We don't know what happened to him. So there's a real disparity, mm-hmm. a real disparity about how, how the media, uh, the media and the justice system look at, at crimes against white women in crimes against women of color. Well, Which yeah. shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. No, not no, at all. Uh, even uh, when they were looking for Gabby Petito's body, they found like five other bodies. It's incredible how, how hard the police work to not do their job mm-hmm. they just find her they just found bodies and everybody knew that there were a bunch of bodies there this was like a this was like not even a not even a secret and they I, just kept stumbling on the bodies but they were the wrong bodies yeah they're like oh we found a body but that's not her very sad though isn't it it just it's, shows us what lives sad. we value and what we don't so just an aside, when you said that how many specials there have been about Lacey Peterson, I thought there's even, you know, she's had more specials than Julia Child. And, you know, there's been a lot on Julia Child. <laughs> but listen, it's disgusting. It's just, it's so horrific. And, but, you know, there's no racism in America, just so you know, Brian. No, so, none. All right. Well, here's a good story. I got to say, though, I lost a lot right. of respect for R. Kelly when I found out he was a racketeer. <laughs> that was it. That was the line. Yeah. That was the straw for you. That broke the camel's back. <laughs> hey, you know what? R. Kelly, too, by the way, he still has another federal trial coming up, like, uh, as well, doesn't he? For, like, um, pornography, I believe, like, child pornography as well. Like, so I, I imagine that could give him even more time on top of this sentence. Well, he got, I, I know that he went on trial in 2008 for child pornography when that tape surfaced to him having sex with a 14 year old girl and then peeing on her. Mm. And, and he was acquitted because the victim and the victim's parents wouldn't testify. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure though that I read, I'll have to find out, but like I, I think he had a pornography and obstruction charges still against him for another federal case, yeah. which I found fascinating and interesting and why it took so long. So right. you- Oh, I've been out with the album for a while. There'll be a while before <laughs> the new R. Kelly single drops. When you said that he peed on her, was she stung by a jellyfish? Was there a reason? <laughs> was she stung by jelly? Shame on you. <laughs> All right, let's let's end with this. This is this this is a bad story that ends up being a oh, good story. Okay, uh, there is uh, a, a a piece of beachfront land in Manhattan Beach, down in in Los Angeles County. It's called Bruce Beach. And the way that Bruce Beach started was it was an African-American couple. Uh, Their last name was Bruce. And Bruce Beach was a resort, which was one of the few places in L.A. County uh, around the turn of the 20th century where African-Americans could go and enjoy the beach. It was a resort. You could come. You could stay there. You could, you know, lay out on the beach. And, you know, everything was still segregated, even though it wasn't the South. They were still, you know, things were still segregated. Um, and so this was the beach where the black people could go. So the Bruce family was just harassed because they had, you know, neighboring white communities on both sides of, of Bruce Beach who harassed them, who threatened them, uh, you know, sent them death threats and all of these tor- t- things to make life difficult. So mm. finally, L.A. County took it. They, t- they, 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 they trumped up some project that they wanted to do, and they took uh, Bruce Beach away from that family through eminent domain. And they paid them a pittance for it because, you know, when when eminent domain happens, they, they you know, usually it's because they're they want to build a freeway or something and your place is in the way. And so uh, if you won't sell it to them, then they can take it and they're supposed to pay you the, the fair market value. That's how it works today anyway in most jurisdictions but they took this beach away from this family and uh and paid him a pittance in 1924 so supervisor janice hahn started this process to try to get that beach returned to the bruce family you know there's such as there's a huge disparity in wealth uh, between black families and white families in this country and the primary reason is how is wealth passed down in america it's passed down through real estate you know, there's so many people I know who, you know, kids I, I grew up with and went to school with who really didn't amount to jack crap, who are now <laughs> worth a fortune because their parents bought a house in 1950 for 25 grand. That's now worth two million dollars. And and the community in which their parents bought that twenty five thousand dollar house was restricted. Black people couldn't buy in that community. Black people had to buy over there on the other side of the highway. And those properties didn't appreciate. So that's how wealth is passed down. So Supervisor Hahn was able to get the get uh, the law changed in some way. And I don't, don't know exactly what the procedure was she used, but uh, effective, I believe, yesterday, the Bruce descendants, the great great grandchildren of the Bruce Bruce's who started Bruce Beach, got it back, and and it's worth twenty million bucks. And part of the deal is that they have to lease they have to lease it back to L.A. County for four hundred and thirteen thousand dollars a year. Uh, but they do have the right at some point to sell it if they decide that they want to sell it. But they got it back. And apparently there are stories like this all across the country. There are stories like this all across the country where uh, African-Americans took it upon themselves to, okay, well, fine, we can't go over there. We'll build our own. And it turns out to be successful. And the white people around them didn't like it. So they found a way to take it. Mm. You know, so um, so so it's a bad story that ends up being a good story. So congratulations to the Bruce family for finally getting back what what should have been theirs that was taken 100 years ago. It took a set, you know, and it's, it's stuff like this, you know, we have in California, um, Gavin Newsom uh, has put together a committee to discuss reparations and exactly whether or not California owes reparations to whom California owns reparations. And if, in fact, California does owe reparations, how would those reparations be paid and be distributed? So um, I, I think we're going to see more of this kind of stuff. And I've, I've always been a, a person who's been opposed to reparations for slavery because it's just too hard to do. I mean, it's too hard to figure out how how are you going to compensate for that? And it was and it was, you know, 200 years ago. How do you how do you do this? However, I believe that people 
who were discriminated against because of redlining and discriminated against because of, of housing uh, and where they were allowed to buy. And because, you know, the federal uh, the federal highway system uh, was 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 driven through the, the black community in order to 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 put the highway in. Um, I think that those the descendants of those people, since we're talking about 50, 60, 70 years ago, those descendants we can find and those mm-hmm. descendants prove, which is a heck of a lot easier than proving that your great, 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 great grandfather worked on a plantation somewhere. I think those people should be compensated just like the Bruce family. But what if you have um, deeds or proof that you did own land in 1820 that was taken from you? What if you, well, that's your great grandparents? Yeah, I think if you have proof that you have land or that your business or that you were harmed irreparably by certain, like a you know the federal highway system, mm-hmm. Robert Moses um, hurt you. Well, I'll tell you, if if you it, it boils down to proof, I didn't say it was impossible, but I said I just think it, it's just mm-hmm. how do you prove it? It's harder to prove. But mm-hmm. if you do have some kind of deed and you can prove it and you can prove that that, in fact, you know, you have the deed and you didn't sell it, it was taken away from you, then that that's something entirely different. You know, part of the 1619 project where they talked about some of this stuff, there was a, a, a story about a, a man somewhere in the South who had like eight or nine children who was this big entrepreneur. He started out with nothing like a milk truck or something and built it into a fleet of trucks and then took the money from that and built a general store and the money from that and built mm-hmm. like another store. And it was all to serve the black community because everything was was uh, was segregated. And one day, uh, a bunch of white pe- white men showed up on his doorstep, rang, knocked on the door. He opened the door and they shot him to death because oh he had, because he had too much. And they took it all away. And so his family, you know, was basically broke. You know, they had to get off the land that, that he owned and, and they 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 killed him and divvied up all of the property and divvied up all of his businesses amongst themselves. You know, th- but this kind of stuff went on all the time. And this is the kind of stuff that we can, you know, we can much more easily prove than, you know, I mean, I, 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 I did ancestry and found out that, you know, my my ancestors in this country were part of the North Carolina slave uh, mm-hmm. community, as well as the uh, the Virginia slave community. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, you know, in terms of census records, you know, if you were if you were a slave, all they did yeah. was they they listed you by race and by by age and gender. Yeah. And that yeah. was it. I wanted to say that I just spent a few weeks ago, four days in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, which I highly recommend people do, especially if you're a whitey white like me, uh, because, <laughs> well, because, you know, you're taught certain things and you learn and you learn things about, you know, slavery and America's past. But I learned so much in my four days in Charleston, uh, South Carolina, um, uh, walking around or going to some of the plantations, hearing the story of the Gullah people there, um, and also going to the slave mart, which uh, are there. Um, But here is something sad, lighthearted and sad, and it's very true. We were standing, you know, you can kind of get like a tourist, you know, map, and you get get these things, and these two ladies walked up in front of us while we were waiting you know, in line to go to the slave mart in Charleston, South Carolina. And they were like, what is this? And we pointed out, you know, what it was and what exactly, you know, went on there or whatever to them. And they went, oh, that's too serious. Let's just go to the Hard Rock and get some lunch. That's what they said to each other. Like, oh, I know. Who well, said like this? Said, you know, it, it these, two, to, to these two tourists. Yeah. Oh in, Sa- in South Carolina. I'm on vacation. You know? Yeah, (laughs) you know, and we and we we took my mom there. And I I also, you know, my mom is 70 years old from New Jersey, never really left New Jersey. She doesn't want to, you know, she's the type of person that just doesn't do anything about anything. And that's what a lot of my family was like. They they want everybody to have equal rights, but they actually don't. They don't realize, you know, like in some ways how they're working against them. They 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 they're just kind of like apathetic about everything, you know. And so it was very interesting to share these experiences because I'm the only person who left New Jersey and my family and went to California. And New Jersey is fairly progressive, but there's no California, you know. So then I always come back as that weird liberal person with these weird, you know, liberal views, according, you know, mm-hmm. to them. So it was very interesting to share these experiences and go to the plantation and go to the slave mart and these historic sites and hear uh, um, a lot. Um, 
uh, about, you know, just, you know, life and history down there. Uh, also with people of different generations. Um, I'm going to leave it with this. Um, since you mentioned, you mentioned South Carolina, you went to South Carolina. <laughs> mm-hmm. Carolina? Yes, correct. South Carolina. Um, I have on, on Sundays, uh, my daughter, my son-in-law and I have, have movie day in the Sunday afternoons. We take turns every Sunday picking who, who, uh, what movie it is, what movie it is we're going to see. So this week was my turn. And so I picked The Birth of a Nation. Have you ever oh, seen The Birth of a Nation? Yeah. yeah. The, the most racist movie ever made. And that's not that's not hyperbole. I'm not being hyperbolic. That is literally the, mo- the, the I take it back. The most racist movie to get a major release. I mean, you have your friends, crazy Ku Klux Klan, you know, Nazi nutcase indie films that end up in little places. But this was this was like the first feature film. It was made by D.W. Griffith, who was one of the four founders of United Artists. It was Griffith, Charlie Chaplin, Mary Pickford and Douglas Fairbanks who started United Artists. He was one of the first star celebrity directors in Hollywood. And the heroes of this takes it takes place in uh, in uh, in uh, South Carolina. That's where it does take place. And it's about the Civil War and about Reconstruction and about how the Ku Klux Klan rose in order to save white people and save the white race. And they're the heroes. And it's so bad that I was actually rooting for the Ku Klux Klan at the end. Oh, <laughs> oh God, I hope they get there in time. I hope they get there oh, in time. Oh, my God, that's hysterical. I mean, yeah. that's how bad. I mean, that's how, how bad and how racist that movie is. Wow. Oh my but everybody should see it at least once. And cinematically, it is considered a master piece because of the it's 1915 and the stuff that Griffith did with camera angles and and some of the shot I'm looking at some of the shots that he got you know civil war battles and stuff going how in the heck did he do that in 1915 you know with no sound and 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 the you know the 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 film is the 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 photographer is actually using a crank in order to to film the thing you know so it's I, I recommend everybody see it at least once but it's it's been re-released like twice. There there have been three major, four major times in this country when there has been a rise in the number of people who belong to the KKK. The first was when the KKK was founded during Reconstruction. Then it kind of died off. Then 1915, this movie was released. And this movie, by the way, was like Star Wars. When it came out, it was like Star Wars. People like waited an hour mm. for hours in line around the block to get in to see it. It was screened at the White House. It's right. And Woodrow Wilson screened it. And Woodrow Wilson said the best part about it is it's all true. Oh, my gosh. It's history written with lightning. That's that's the quote. Oh, oh, that's that's the quote. That's one of the reasons people are trying to strip Woodrow Wilson's name off of stuff now is because because of that. And so after that movie came out, there was another surge in uh, in Klan membership and the Klan grew to, I think, its biggest uh, membership ever. You know, I was reading a thing. They said the biggest Klan gathering that they know of was in like 1925 in Napa, where they had what? in Napa, California, in the wine country, where they had a KKK convention where Klansmen from around the country came, brought their hoods, brought their robes, 10,000. And the population of Napa today is only 10,000. You know, Brian, what I see here is, you know how you can't teach slavery in some school systems now because it upsets the kids. I think if you bring this movie to them, they'll let them watch this. I think they'll let them watch this. I guarantee you they'll let them watch. Well, let them watch it and tell them it's a documentary. That's the problem. Right. Exactly. That's the problem. All right. We got real heavy today, but there was a lot of heavy news. So lighten it up just a bit. Where are you playing, Maureen? Uh, uh, July 7th through 10th, I'll be in Reno at the Laugh Factory and my dry bar comedy special is out. It's called Don't Make Me Hate You. So please go get that. Don't make me hate you dot com. You can see all my information there. All right. Congratulations on that. Ron, what's Thank going you. on in Vegas? Uh, well, you know, let's see. I got August 8th to the 14th at Brad Garrett's Comedy Club at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. It's a lovely venue. So lovely that I actually wear a blazer when I perform there. Wow. That's, something to, that's something to see. A blazer in the 108 degree heat. <laughs> you got to fit the room. It's a gorgeous, it's a new room and it's a classic. Like it still feels like a classic. It's really nice. Uh, and if people happen to be on the East Coast, Punchline Philadelphia over Labor Day weekend as well. All right. And uh, Jason Mack, where, you, where can we find you? Every first Friday, Stab Comedy Theater in Sacramento. 
All right. And as for me, I'm working on my new solo play that's going to open in the fall. I mean, it's just had a couple of weeks of, of live readings and uh, we go into rehearsal in a couple of weeks and we open at the Marsh in San Francisco the weekend after Labor Day. Actually, previews start and we open in October and uh, it's called Grandma and Me and Ode to Single Parents. So that's what I am working on at present. So uh, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you to my guests, Maureen Langan, Ron Vai, and uh, Jason Mack. We'll have you guys on again soon. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I want to thank you for listening. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, uh, there are a number of ways you can do it. Tell your friends, tell everyone you know, any way that you possibly can. Send them the link. Uh, you can subscribe, in which case, uh, when the, the uh, link for the new episodes drop every Thursday, it'll automatically be there in your feed. Or you can go to iTunes and you can leave us a review. And that helps people to find the show. Also, if you have any comments or any questions, anything you want to hear more of, less of, or anything you want to comment on that we said over the course of, uh, of this recording, you can email me directly by going to Brian Copeland Show. B-R-I-A-N-C-O-P-E-L-A-N-D-S-H-O-W is one word. Brian Copeland Show at gmail.com. I read every single email I get and I answer every single email that I get. So thank you very much for listening. Hopefully we'll have some we'll have some better news. Hopefully we'll have some funnier news next week. There's so much so much horror in the world right now. My God. So keep the faith. Till next time, be kind to your neighbor. He knows where you live.